21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. Hello, everybody. If you are a returning listener, thank you very much. If you are a new listener, thank you for uh, choosing to listen to our podcast. This is the Four Times Mindfulness podcast. It's our 16th episode. And uh, I'm sitting beside Neela Steele right now, and this is one of those special episodes. Uh, it's only been two times that we've had somebody else come on the show. That's the first right. one was Mike Cusala when we recorded in Italy. Right, and then the second was Frank. The second was Frank. That was my Run Your Life podcast series, but for our four times mindfulness. Oh, right, you're right. Mike was the first one, and today we have a very special guest who I've uh, known for the past five years. He's from Australia, and he is the man, Andy Dutton. And uh, we have asked Andy to be on the show today. Uh, he really practices mindfulness. He uh, embraces yoga. He's an excellent educator, uh, teaches physical education at the United Nations School of Hanoi in Vietnam. And as luck would have it, Nila and I are here in Bucharest, Romania, um, I ran a, a two-day workshop at the American International School of Bucharest. Um, Andy joined me. He was a guest presenter. And as always, whenever I can bring my family with me to these uh, events, I love it. And Neela always joins in and runs mindfulness sessions for all the teachers. So the stars aligned. Our good friend Andy was, was here. He's actually working at the school next year. And it was just one of those things we talked about before recording, how lucky we are to have experienced a wonderful two days, mm -hmm. where as presenters, we benefited just as much as hopefully the participants benefited from mm -hmm. the experience. It was a really meaningful experience, and uh, we're so grateful that uh, we've been able to come together to record this podcast. So uh, I'm going to let Andy just say a few words, introduce himself, um, you guys, first of all, you have anything you want to add, Andy, about the workshop? You can introduce yourself, add anything you want. Sure. Go ahead. Okay, so, uh, yeah, thank you for the introduction. Um, first of all, I just want to express my gratefulness and appreciation for being here. Um, I'm a long-time listener, first-time guest. <laughs> so uh, I've really enjoyed, uh, Andy, your Run, Run Your Life podcast and then the two of you together doing the Mindfulness podcast. Um, it's something that I listen to regularly and it really, on my runs, and it, it really brings a lot of uh, mindfulness to my day and ideas for how to, I can integrate that into my life, but also my teaching practice. Um, Andy Vasily for me is somebody who had a big effect on my teaching career. Um, when we first met five years ago at, uh, when I was new at United Nations International School in Hanoi, uh, Andy came along and did a workshop um, on how we could plan our units um, and assess uh, with more effectiveness uh, in the PYP. And it had such a huge and, and profound effect on the way that I, I ran my lessons and, and, and our whole PE department ran our lessons and assessed our learning. And, uh, yeah, so it's 
it's great to be here this weekend and to have applied those principles to other teachers and to see that effect that it's had on them. Um, and Neela, for your effect in bringing mindfulness to the mainstream, you know, to see you in action this weekend with the working with 40 PE teachers has just been phenomenal to see the effect that you've had on them and the passion that you bring to it and the importance of, of that in in PE and connecting that mindfulness with our PE practice mm-hmm. is, I think, so relevant to everything we do. So, yeah, that's, that's I just want to express appreciation before you get started. Thank you. Thank, yeah, thank you. you. The one thing I just want to say, uh, we've been so lucky to stay connected using Twitter. And uh, from day one, I, I noticed how passionate. So Andy teaches early years PE and... And it takes a special beast of a teacher <laughs> to teach early years. Like it, it needs to be your calling. To I could say the same about high school PE teachers. Yeah. <laughs> but it really, you know, it's it's a it can be a very tough job. And what a lot of te- uh, phys ed teachers do when they join the profession, maybe they're slotted into early years classes. But as I've always told you from day mm-hmm. one. Um, you know, you've been very, you know, you choose to teach the young ones. You don't want to bail as soon as there's a middle school opening or a high mm. school opening. So you choose to be working with the young ones and you've done some amazing things. Um, so I just wanted to, to kind of mention that. But a um, little bit of background about where you're from and, um, you know, just uh, anything you want to add. Okay, so I'm originally from uh, Adelaide in South Australia. And uh, I taught there for, for a couple of years um, before embarking on my overseas journey. Um, I was at a, an amazing school in, in Adelaide. It was a, it's a school called the Adelaide Secondary School of English. Uh, and it's a school for new arrivals and refugees. And so that was very shaping to me in, in terms of the way that I, um, you know, in those, those formative years of teaching... Um, very intense experiences uh, with students who had come from, you know, extremely difficult uh, situations, you know, in some cases or many cases actually had lived their whole life in, in a refugee camp. Wow. Um, and so straight away for me, I saw my practice as a PE teacher as, as a way to build human connection between between people, you know, the... 13-year-old or 14-year-old war-torn students that were coming into my classes, it wasn't relevant whether they could kick a ball with the correct technique. What was relevant that I was making a connection with them and could... Yes, for sure. Yeah, and could help them on their journey. Yeah. Yeah. So that was was a a very formative experience for me. Um, I also taught in in London for a year. I taught in 64 schools in a year. Whoa. So that was also, I would recommend that to anyone starting out teaching <laughs> Yeah. to, to be exposed to rich schools, poor schools, young kids, old kids, PE, grade 12 chemistry, you know, kindergarten. You had the smorgasbord of, of... Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you, you're, you're on a journey towards realizing what you want to do, what you're passionate about, where your skills are best suited to, you know, and I, and I... I came back from from that experience just, yeah, really sure that I wanted to be a PE teacher for starters. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and my experiences with the younger children made me open to that idea of working with younger mm-hmm. children after being trained as a, as a middle school 
teacher. Yeah. PE teacher. Um, and then after that, um, you know, life, life <laughs> you can't predict life. And through falling in, in love with my wife, Alexia, ended up traveling around India for nine months um, and a job fair in Delhi. No idea about international schools. <laughs> ended up in Saudi Arabia for a year. Um, and I would never begrudge that experience. It was, it was amazing. Uh, we were there for a year. And again, learned so much about myself and teaching. Uh, and then after that, we, we ended up in Japan. And again, great experience. Loved it. Circumstances. Osaka, and, and Japan. Osaka, Japan. And, and then life happened. And uh, my wife was pregnant with, with my son, Agonda, when uh, the Great East Japan earthquake hit. Yeah. Um, and we made the decision to, to move on from Japan before we were really ready. Yeah. But it, it brought us to, um, to Hanoi in Vietnam and the United Nations International School, which has been a life-changing experience for me personally and professionally. Yeah. Yeah. Great school. It's a great school. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, I am leaving it next year, but I, in, in lots of ways, you know, professional ways, I, I am not ready to leave the school because I'm still growing in the school. Mm-hmm. I love my department, my colleagues, everybody. I mean, we talk about growth mindset this weekend. There's such a, a growth mindset infusing that whole place, which I just... I just love, you know? Yeah. I've learned how to do cartwheels over the last five years. <laughs> you know? Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. Uh, Neil Steele, how about you in the last two days and uh, anything you want to add before we go into our first seed? I'm, I'm still in awe of um, Andy's whole tapestry of, of life. What an amazing story. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, just knowing just meeting you this weekend as well has been so really heartwarming and we were just talking before we started recording and we were talking about how we sort of pigeonhole people and I hadn't pigeonholed you, but I just didn't know you. And then after two days, pretty intense sharing it with the workshop, it's been, it's been amazing. And I just want to keep on continuing to know you and to know your stories. Appreciate that. Thank you. So, Andy, yes, we're going to start with our first seat of mindfulness. Yes. So, um, for for the listeners um, out there, uh, four times mindfulness. Four times mindfulness is uh, all of us sharing our insight and inspiration, anything related to to mindfulness. And we like to stress that there is no definition of what mindfulness is. It's what you make of it. So, um, Andy and just, you know, asking you to be on the show, uh, we said basically just talk about anything that resonates with you. You've chosen two things. So Andy's going to share, um, two things. Neil and I are going to share one thing each. So Andy, why don't, why don't you start us off with the first seat of mindfulness? Sure. So my first one comes from, uh, No Reservations, which is, is one of my favorite shows. It's with, uh, Anthony Bourdain, the, the chef. Maybe you've heard of him. And uh, he was in, in Spain, in Catalonia, and he was describing the career of a, of a chef who had worked for 27 years in a restaurant um, in Catalonia. The chef's name was Ferran Adria. Apologies if I pronounced that incorrectly. <laughs> um, but, but Anthony Bourdain says, he's changed the face of gastronomy. 
So in, in those uh, chef circles, culinary circles, he's uh, changed the way that people prepare, prepare food. Um, and he was describing him himself as saying, I know how to make an omelette. I want to discover things that I don't know how to do. The most important thing is to make people happy, but the second is to give them something to think about. We are first and foremost in the pleasure business. We create emotions. And I was watching that on the plane uh, over here to Bucharest and it just really resonated with me um, as a PE teacher. We're in a very different field, but I think the message is the same. We need to create an emotional connection with what we're teaching and it's through that emotional connection that then we can change people's lives. And it's, it's I think in hearing you describe that, that emotional connection, you have to be in tune with your own emotions, Mm -hmm. uh, which mindfulness allows you to do because it allows you to drop into the present moment with, as Neela says, when she presents a non-judging attitude Mm. and just being aware of the emotions that you are experiencing. um, I think that's a big part of it. And being curious about the emotions that you're having as to why as to why you might be um experiencing certain emotions in in different situations yeah not it's not a i don't think mindfulness is a controlling um we're not learning i would say we're not sort of controlling our emotions because the emotions pop up unexpectedly mm-hmm. and but it's more of an awareness and working with kids, I, I do say to the kids, it's absolutely normal and natural to feel anger or to feel frustration. I'm not trying to deny what they feel. I'm not telling them to switch their mood right away and just never mind and be happy. Mm. And I love one of my grade two students said, Miss Neela, it's impossible to be happy all the time because that is just in life sometimes you're going to struggle. Mm. And so you have to learn how to either calm down or de-escalate from a certain emotion. And that's, that's not control, but it's just sort of a softening. Maybe I would describe it as that. You were speaking in your workshop today, Neela, about the analogy of emotions with uh, weather. Mm -hmm. And for me, that really connected with me because like you said, to be mindful, we're aware of how of our state at that present moment. Yes. And to pretend we're happy when we're really feeling angry is to deny that. Yeah, it's almost a disservice. present moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, I like that, that a chef realizes that he's in the business of emotions. Mm. You know, because the emotional <laughs> connection that people place on food. And I, I had a, I'm having a giggle because you're the chef in our family. And oftentimes you've been known to make four different items. Drives me crazy sometimes. One for yourself, but you... (laughs) I love it, of course, but... Um, (laughs) But you'll make something for me, then you'll modify it and make something else for Eli, Mm -hmm. and then Ty always wants something completely different, which as a mom, I would probably say, this is what's for dinner, eat it if you like it. If you don't, then you're going to be hungry, but you sort of cater and that is your act of love for all of us. My love of food in particular and my, and my love of seeing other people love 
the food that I put love into. Precisely. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when that's the connection that I made right away when you said, you know, the chef is in the business of emotions. I mean, that's what he puts into it. He puts mm-hmm. his love into it and it matters to him. And, and you know, I think uh, that's the big thing that we talked about this weekend was uh, creating the conditions for young people to thrive. And in order to do that, you have to tap into their emotions and recognize them. And you can only do that when you are present yourself. Mm-hmm. But when you give people the skill, when you give your students the skill of being present with their own emotions. But it makes a lot of teachers uncomfortable to go to that place because they don't think that's their responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say a lot of teachers, but some teachers. Yeah. And you could say that's the same as a chef that puts no love into the food that yeah. and you can taste it yeah whether you yeah. know the chef or you know how it's prepared or not mm. if, if that's another act mm. mindfully eating this food that has been presented on your plate mm. yeah yeah okay excellent so we will uh, transition over to the second seat of mindfulness which is um by Neil Steele. That's by me, um, which is also related to emotions. I have two little taxi stories. So one is um, Eli and Ty and I were taking a taxi back to the hotel without Andy. And I'm, I always like wherever we are in the world to sort of chat up the taxi driver or to smile or, or make for friendly conversation. So we jumped into the taxi and I was in the front seat and Eli and Ty were in the back. And, um, I said, hello in English. I know I'm in Romania and I said, hello. And the taxi driver said, oh, no, no speak English. And I just said, what is your name? What is your name? And he looked at me, not really understanding my question in English. And then I saw his taxi card in front of me and I looked and his name was Andre Vasily. And I was like, I pointed at my wedding ring all excitedly. And I was like, that's my husband's name. My husband's name is Andy Vasily. And um, Eli and Ty and I all had a good laugh. And the, the texture was laughing. We were all having a fun, not fun time, but it was just a nice little interaction with a stranger who was safely bringing us back to the hotel. And then the second taxi story is the next day, it was myself and Eli and Ty again, and I jumped in to the front seat and Eli and Ty were in the back and it was early morning. And I said, good morning to the taxi driver. He didn't make eye contact with me. He looked to the left and I had the directions on a little piece of paper in my left hand. And as I got into the car, he snatched it out of my hand and I was sort of taken aback like, Ooh, and I, I looked at him and I made eye contact and I was quickly making a judgment. Like, it looks like this guy's been up. His eyes are a bit glossy. You know, I hope he's not under any sort of influence. My two boys are in the back. And so I started to just assess safety. And I said, um, what's your name? In just a sort of normal tone. And he said, Why? And then I said, oh, I, I guess you're not used to friendly gestures. And he's like, I'm not into talking, and I'm only in this for the money. And I could literally feel the heat rising in me. 
but I didn't say anything. I was just, I just said, well, if you're in this for the money, my boys are in the back. I just want a safe ride. And so we had a very quiet, uh, 15 minute ride to the international school. And Eli and Ty were in the back. They were still having conversations. Um, and I just started to, I was doing some of my breathing and I, I went to go and pay. And when I paid, I made a snide remark and I said, well, if you are in this for the money, you'll get a bigger tip the next time if you're a lot friendlier. And he said, I don't care. And I was like, boys, get out of the taxi car. And we got out and we shut the door. And the minute we closed the door, Eli and Ty started saying to me, mom, that wasn't necessary. Why were you crabby to that man? And what surprised me was Eli and Ty said, it wasn't necessary for me to make that little snide comment. It's true. But I could feel myself, like Eli said to me, mom, you're going to meet unfriendly people. You just have to deal with it. <laughs> and then my other son, Ty, who is such a sensitive, compassionate little guy, came up with a list of why that guy might have been a jerk. And he said, Mom, it's early in the morning. Mom, he's driving a taxi. He might not have money. Maybe he just heard some bad news. Maybe he hates driving the taxi. And then again, Eli said, why were you so triggered? And I said, Eli, I don't like unfriendly people. And he said, yeah, but that's, that's not within your control. So here I am hearing my two little boys reiterating the words that I say to them, yet I wasn't embodying that mindfulness towards a complete and utter stranger. And it just got me thinking that just like kindness can be contagious, so can rudeness. And I felt the need to sort of retaliate. And, and, and I was, you know, calm and I, I thought I was doing my breathing, but I still felt the need to finish off with a little dig as I exited the car. So it just, it makes, it makes me think that I really need to raise the standard. I don't want to play somebody else's game if they're being rude. I'm not going to sit with them at their table and play this same game of, of rudeness. So it, I'm proud of my boys. I'm not so proud of myself in that moment, but let's move on and let's learn from that. And, uh, and I did sort of reflect because I, I really take it personally when someone's rude to me, but I have no idea. And it goes, along with our students, when we greet them in the morning, we have no idea what, you know, were they fed? Did they get a hug off to school? Mm -hmm. Did they have love and attention in the morning? Often you'll find a student who's completely disheveled and you'll think, hasn't anybody helped this child this morning wash their face and, and brush their teeth and given them little reminders? Probably not. So it, it's, it was a big sort of reminder to be aware of my own sort of triggers. So what can I, I don't want to interrupt, but can you, if you were to be in that experience again, knowing the first thing when I, when I listened to that story, I also got triggered because I was like, if I was in that car, we would have pulled over and got out. You know, that was my That's instinct. you protecting yeah, your that's family. That's me protecting yeah. my family. 
But if you were to be in that situation again, having reflected, mm -hmm. I guess the first thing is that, and you even said it yourself, that the boys were reiterating back to you what we we constantly speak to them about. So it's like they, they are embodying some of the non-judgmental things and mm -hmm. having an open mind. Um, but if you were to be in that situation again, how would you approach it differently? If you had no choice but to take the taxi the whole way. Yeah, I think for one, it wasn't necessary for me to to want to hurl an insult at him or give him my tip of how he could make more money. I could have just neutralized it by just just being calm and being aware of of the list that Ty had created. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which would have built empathy. Yeah. Mm. Instead, I was I was feeling the heat and wanting to throw another insult back at him or yeah, something. I think that's that's normal, and I think the, the fact but it's not that, necessary. It's but, not. But it's you, biting your tongue and and uh, as I was saying, like raise the standard. If if I'm talking about mindfulness, learning about mindfulness, practicing mindfulness, that was another opportunity for me to practice a sort of compassion, curious, um, awareness in that moment. But also what's, what's happening is that mindfulness is also reflection and reflecting and improving and, um, improving the way that we deal with emotional situations. Yes. You know, so I think that you shared something very valuable because every single person listening, myself, included and I think Andy as well we've all been in those situations where we have reacted emotionally mm -hmm. to situations and the thing is that the next time you're in that situation you strive to improve rather than repeat and react mm -hmm. right as, mm -hmm. you, as mm -hmm. you say yeah and in the past I think we've talked about um, Marcus Aurelius saying that you know every day you're going to come across people who are ungrateful or miserable or being a jackass and that's not within your control what you is in within your control is how you respond to them and you don't want to sit at their table to play the same game that they're playing because you are are elevating your own standards so that you not necessarily might take the high road, but you just, it's not necessary to even get worked up. Why expend that energy over something that is not going to serve you, but easier said than done in that heated moment. It's like, a skill that you need to practice, exactly. and which is mindfulness is a skill that you need to practice. Yes, yes, yes. And we were talking about that earlier before the show, just as, you know, it's not just a, a it's a physical thing. Mm -hmm. Building that that skill of mindfulness is neural pathways, you know, and 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 like you know, training our biceps, you know, we we can only improve it by practice. Yeah, it's yeah. it's that that mental weightlifting, mm. which is just as important, if not more important. Um, the because we practice it, but we have to have it sort of seared on the brain so that the next time. I come across somebody who I find unfriendly or unkind. I don't have to go back to the same reaction exactly. that that's I had before. That's the new neural pathway. Right. Right. Yeah. That you force yeah. yourself and you just sprout that little seedling 
and then that's what you return to, but it needs to be reinforced otherwise. And this is what I think the evidence shows, and I can't cite anything right now, but I've read about it, where the new neural pathway is created, but if it's not nourished, it will shrivel and die. So it yeah. has to be constantly reinforced. Like a groove. Yeah. yeah. And at the same time, that aggressive pathway, if it's not fed, shrivels. Or if it's yeah. fed, it yeah. grows. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Very yeah. interesting. So um, we'll move on to the third seat of mindfulness. So for my third, uh, well, the third seat of mindfulness, what I'm going to share is uh, kind of a, a meshing together uh, two different podcasts. It's the Tony Robbins podcast, and it's one of my favorite uh, podcasts recently over the past few months, uh, Finding Mastery with Michael Gervais where he interviewed Jewel. And I think I talked about it a little bit in the last one. So it's kind of taking two ideas. Um, and I guess I want to emphasize that it's all about uh, being our best and that being our best requires uh, reflection, you know, that we, we need to really reflect on our day-to-day work and what we're learning and we need to uh, really, and I've said it before, but we need to uh, engineer that quiet time into our uh, into our day to really think about things. So, for me, it's always through running. But uh, when when Michael Gervais uh, was interviewing Jewel, he asked her at the very end of the podcast to define what mastery means to her. And what she said, and, and again, I can't stress enough that this is such a amazing podcast to listen to. Like, I always knew that she was, she, she was creative and she was talented, but I have a profoundly uh, kind of new respect for her and what she's accomplished. But what she said is, mastery is about showing up every single day striving to be your best and the way you do that is by refining and refining and continually refining what you do and that during that process failure is very much a part of that process you're going to fall on your face you're going to make mistakes but when you let go of perfectionism as she says death by a thousand paper cuts right when you let go of that perfectionism then you are truly in a better place to refine in order to be your best. And in bringing Tony Robbins' uh, podcast in, into it, he talks about that idea that our life is about who we become and that we are able to give more because of who we become. And the more we become the more we can give. So it's tapping into our our better self allows us to give more. And as a result, when we do that, we're not only honoring ourselves, but we are also inspiring and impacting others mm -hmm. through the work that we do. So it's kind of a meshing of those ideas and that uh, returning back to that uh, big idea that fulfillment... I think what I'm learning is fulfillment, true fulfillment is about striving to be the best personal and professional self that you can be. 
and it requires critical reflection, which means you have to be present. And when you are reflecting, it's not, for me, it's not meditation in those moments, but it's, um, you know, finding that still quiet place that allows me to reflect on my talents, my strengths, what I need to improve. And in doing those things, in honoring those things, um, I hopefully will be given the tools uh, to, to better develop the tools that I've been given, that I've worked very hard to actually develop. Um, and in going through this process, it allows me hopefully to become a better person. And when I become a better person, I can give more. And when I can give more, I can impact others. But it begins with presence. So I wanted to share that as my fourth seed. I think that um, I've seen the impact you've had on, on people this weekend at the workshop. And for me, it was about you being completely present in the space. You shared some very intimate details of your life and the effect they've had on your life. And because you were present, you were able to connect. I think so often we have that wall up. Um, and when you bring that wall down, you can connect with people. Mm-hmm. And bringing that wall down is being there in the moment. Warts and all. yeah, <laughs> and when you're when you're sharing your warts and all story, <laughs> yeah. you know, whether that be at the workshop this weekend or you know at the right moment in our in our teaching practice or our life with people, when you when you are vulnerable and in the moment with people then you can connect with people. And when you connect with people and you have the human connection, that's when you can make a change. And that's what we're all about. And I think, you know, to to see the power of that over this weekend and and people who, you know, have been teaching for decades say they're going to go to work next week like like a first-day teacher because they've got a new perspective, I think that's uh, the power of human connection. Yeah, for sure, I think. And I, I think it just continues to go back to you as a person and what you can do. Uh, what are within your, the only things within your spheres of influence is what you can control. And we can bitch and moan and complain about everything outside of our control. But when, as you said, when you, you know, the taxi story, when you expend your energy in the wrong places, it's, it's just resources gone to waste. Yeah. Internal resources gone to waste. I'm, I'm still on the thought that um, Andy, on my right, Andy Dutton, saying that when you are vulnerable and when you sort of begin to share and open up wholeheartedly, it allows and permits other people to do the same. So back to your comment on perfection. Perfection sort of sucks all the joy out of making deeper connections because you have to have that facade that everything's okay. I mean, you were sort of sharing a story with me last night over dinner um, about a relationship that you have. um, And um, without sort of revealing too much here, but, you know, your your sister-in-law, your brother... You said beyond 
you know, if there is that, that front and that facade that everything is perfect, then you don't know, you don't know what's going on below the surface or behind closed doors with people in their relationships. So how can you build a deeper relationship? You can't because you're just constantly spending energy on keeping up this front. And it's kind of, it's, it, it, I don't know if it connects or not, but you know, the whole social media thing, Facebook, of course we cherry pick all the best pictures. I always joke about, yeah, we have these amazing travels, but I'd really like to challenge people to post the real fit pictures. You know, often Andy and I and our boys, we all, we often go through this, this, um, sort of peak moment where we all have these meltdowns because we're beyond tired uh, let's post those. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's because we, we cherry pick the best pictures and we, we, we want to promote those things in our lives that, that definitely, um, make everything shiny and glistening, but, yeah. uh, where are the mud balls where, you know, those, those non-graceful moments in life. But what, what yeah. were you going to say? I, I just think that's why, that's why being in the moment yeah. Is, yeah. and being vulnerable is so powerful because it's, it's a rare commodity, you know, here I am, this is me, what's and all. Yeah. And we don't, the, the present moment is so boring. Let's, <laughs> let's, you know, sprint to the future. Let's sprint yeah. to our holiday on the beach. Yeah. Let's reminisce um, about the golden days. Yeah. 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 Let's pick and choose those moments that we'd like yeah. to reminisce and let's delete yeah. all the other ones that we, you know, and, yeah. but let's be, be, and then again, we're missing, missing this moment, I think whether what, it's ordinary or awful or amazing. Yeah. And one of, one of the things that, um, we've done a much better job at Nila and I is that idea with birthdays and Christmas, Christmases and any kind of celebration. And I think I've said this, we've talked about this before, but we just say every day is a birthday. Every day is Christmas. Mm. Every day is a, is a holiday. Every day is so Father's that, Day. And every day is Father's Day. <laughs> nah. But that idea that when you take on that attitude, you have no post-holiday blues whatsoever. Mm. Because every day you're grateful for, for the opportunity to experience joy and fulfillment. And for me, that's even extra special for, because I lacked that experience growing up. So maybe I appreciate it more than other people who have it more regularly in their life while growing up. Um, so I think when taking on that attitude, you can make those special moments even more special. But to put the the Sunday night before going back to work that everybody dreads. Yeah. Well, not everybody. No, dreads. no. But but yeah, the, I know those moments. Yes. Special. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, and you can recall them a lot clearer. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. My my uh, my father used to say, often when he woke me up in the mornings, he would say, you know, today is the twenty eighth of September, nineteen ninety seven. You'll never get this chance yeah. again to live this Beautiful. day. You know? Yeah. This day will never happen again. Yeah. So what are you going to do with it? Yeah. We, yeah. Which is a mindful act in itself. Yeah. And super cheesy, he would then say, that's why it's called the present. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. Isn't that yeah. great? Yeah. 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 So. So transition time. We're going to move to the fourth yes. seat? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So the fourth seat of mindfulness by our special guest, Andy Dutton from Adelaide, Australia. Okay, so I'm going to, the fourth seat of mindfulness comes from uh, probably one of the second biggest turning points of my uh, teaching philosophical journey, which is uh, last year Air Course Conference in Manila. Uh, was it last year? Last year. Yeah, March. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, okay, almost, yeah, yeah, almost sorry, a year yeah, ago okay. now. We yeah. were reunited there. Yeah. With our we friend Cam McHale. Well, that's, that's right. Shout yeah. out for Cam McHale. My boss. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but some words that were spoken there just, just have stuck in my mind ever since and they're, they're up on my wall at work and if I was more committed maybe they'd, they'd be tattooed on my forehead but it's um, meaning making is state dependent meaning making is state dependent and the first time I heard those words by uh, Mike Kozala who's, who's a previous uh, guest on the, yeah. the show um they, they really just resonated with me um, and they've had such a, an effect on my, my teaching practice since then. Um, in lots of ways, I'm a perfectionist. In other ways, I'm not, but definitely in a, prof- in a professional sense, I'm a perfectionist. And, and that often translated into my teaching practice as here's the unit, here's, here's lesson one, here's lesson two, here's lesson three, here's what's happening in, in this progression and and so forth, and I wanted everything to be perfect. And that was often a source of uh, frustration for me as a teacher. And anxiety, I'm sure. Anxiety, yeah. And it often led to interactions with students that I'm not proud of because I, I and I would justify it to myself as having high standards. Mm-hmm. You know, this student's not performing right now, I need to motivate them to do better. Um, but that statement, meaning-making is state-dependent, for me is being aware of the state that our students are in at that moment, at that very moment in time, and being empathetic with that state and, and tailoring my interaction with them and my connection with them on, on that state, which means finding out about their state. Yeah. Um, and so for me, that's really had a, had a huge effect on my teaching practice, and probably the biggest part of that is... Being every every class I have now, I think about okay, where's that class come from? Have they just had a break? Have they been in music class? Have they been in art class? Uh, and then being very aware of that when they walk in. Mm-hmm. And and the second way it's affected is is the way that I send them out. So if I'm really um, cognizant of what they're doing in their day. So am I sending them out to recess? Am I sending them to a music lesson? And if so, is it fair that I try and cram in as much movement as I can and send them off completely hyped up to their music or art class? You know, and, and incorporating, I, 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 try, I always uh, try to incorporate mindful breathing at the end of a lesson. Um, but if I know I'm sending them off to another specialist class, I really try to ensure that it's a longer period of that mindful breathing. So we've sealed in the learning and then we're sending them off in a mindful state to the next class. They're back in the moment, they're back in their breathing state. Um, and for me, that's, that's been a huge, a huge learning curve since that, that hearing that talk from Mike Cazala in Manila. Which is respecting the teacher you're sending them to and yeah. respecting their environment and 
the demands on them because the demands on them are different than the demands on you. Yeah. Right. So it's really being cognizant of where they come from and where they're going. Um, and that's the, you know, that's just respect for your, your colleagues and you know, what your colleagues have to accomplish as well. Have the, have the kids given you any feedback as to the breathing practices that you're doing in class? What I've been surprised by with the, the calming breathing that I'm doing at the end of, end, of, end of PE classes, and I often say we're going to seal in the learning now. Okay. I like yeah. that. That's the first yeah. time I've heard uh, that. Is that they, they really enjoy it. Yeah. They really enjoy being um, quiet in a safe space. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Mike Kozala, I think, makes that statement in the context of the classroom where students are often not moving and because of that their brain slows down, their body function slows down, they're ready to sleep. Um, But for me as a PE teacher it often means the opposite thing. So they've been moving and now they need to stop, slow down, seal in the learning and then be ready to move off to their next learning experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And the power of that I think is as as animals, as creatures, their body's ready for that. You know, they're in the they're, they're in the right state to slow down because they've had the movement. Yes, if yes. If they walked into yes. my class and I said, "Okay, everyone, You're lie down," sit here. You, yeah, yeah, they yeah. wouldn't be ready for that. But because we've we've been active, they're ready. Ah, oh, let's relax now. And, yes, and yeah, and, and sort that, of transition or shift in that energy to prepare. Ready for, prepare yeah. for the transition. Yeah. Um, you were speaking yesterday, Andy, at the conference about how you want to share the statistic about how what percentage of uh, behavioural problems happen in those. Oh yeah, a very phase. very high percentage. Most behavioural problems happen during transitional moments. So when we kind of the the, the session was all about when we. And big, huge, massive shout out to Aaron Beatley and the research he's done from the University of Kentucky on designing a space in physical education that allows you to maximize time. Um, but in maximizing time and kind of spreading the learning out and having things ready, you minimize uh, longer transition times. And in, in minimizing longer transition times, you're minimizing behavioral flare-ups right so that's kind of the the premise that's what i wanted to present aaron's work yesterday but just that idea yeah yeah so if we're if we're preparing our students for that transition yeah and and one really interesting thing i've noted during this time is the the students who really struggle to be still during that time are often the students with behavioural issues in class and and to feel their pulse while they're doing their relaxing breathing, their calming breathing, they have a have a pulse through the roof. Yeah. So their body is is, is at this high awareness mm, yeah. state and it takes more effort to slow that yeah. down. To slow that yeah. down and, and then you mean no wonder they're having but having uh, issues on the way of the next class because their pulse rate's the same as for you and I it would be if we just run a hundred meters. Yeah, 
you know, sprinted 100 metres. Yeah. And so they're, they're apt. Yeah. And, and to slow that breathing down to calm, to make them feel safe, and then prepare them to go off to the next lesson, I think is uh, incredibly important. Great implications for adults listening to this too, to know how amped up you are in yeah. certain situations and the time you need to kind of uh, calm yourself. And, and that's, again, what mindfulness allows you to do. And Neela um, spoke this weekend about the one-minute mindfulness kind of breathing that she um kind of leads at the beginning of staff meetings each week with her uh, group of teachers that she works with and the power just to calm yourself yeah. so, so not everybody needs only one minute yeah some people need more some people might need less but it's that idea at least you're honoring that idea that when entering a new situ- situation you yeah. need to ground yourself yeah uh, to be ready for the next situation and that's where we don't uh, honor that time that people need and the feedback that I've received from teachers is that um, even though it is an individual one minute to sort of pause and come into the room physically and mentally it feels almost like a, a, a bonding like a collective we're all in our little sort of soundscapes for that one minute but I'm sitting beside you you're quiet beside me mm. somehow just that practice of us being together is also mm. another minute to respect you might be coming from a different situation uh, the same and it just feels like the meetings we at least we've been doing it now just for five weeks but it feels like there's a shift in the room and all it is is just working on the breathing and awareness of breath yeah what what whatever you want it to be for that one minute yeah, yeah. it's also that we're so caught up in the the politics of school yeah and, uh, uh, or whatever profession you're in and it's coming back to that that sense that you know we're beings taking in oxygen yeah you know and being being present in that moment and being, you know, reminding ourselves who we are, what we are. Absolutely, yeah. that that human element. Yeah. And the the other the other um, uh, sort of stats or, or numbers you want to measure is is talking about like every minute each of us has over thirty five to forty eight thoughts per minute. So if you have five people that come together, we'll round it up to fifty thoughts. It's two hundred fifty. Yeah. In that room, in that minute. So hopefully some of those thoughts sort of just settle. I mean, 250 thoughts. Most yeah, of them are useless and repetitive, and negative and negative. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so um, I think it's time for to the wrap we, up. We do a wrap okay. up. Okay. So Andy, the way we finish the episode is that we do just a quick little wrap up. So you're going to start with your first seed, quick little wrap up. Neil and me, back to you, Andy Dutton. Okay, so um, my first seed, we've spoken about so much today. I know. So my first seed was to talk about uh, Ferran Adria, the chef from Catalonia. He spoke about how he knows how to make an omelette and how he wants to discover things that he doesn't know how to do. And that connection with... Um, 
bringing, realizing that as a cook, he's not just preparing food for people. Mm-hmm. He's um, putting them into a situation where they can connect emotionally with the the food that he's preparing. And the connection that I had watching that was with my PE teaching and how it's so much more than just throwing out a ball and having the students run around. It's it's that emotional connection with what they're doing. The business of emotions. The business of emotions. (laughs) You know, yeah, so that's my first seed. And the second seed of mindfulness was how you deal with unfriendly people. What are your triggers? What are you specifically in control of and how you can sort of raise the bar or the standard and and not uh, participate in that sort of not participate in that sort of game or however you want to look at it it's raise the standard to for yourself yeah 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 okay and the third 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 seed for me was the meshing of the Jewel podcast with Michael Gervais and the Tony Robbins podcast, but the, that idea that uh, striving for mastery means showing up every day and refining what you do, and it's impossible to refine what you do if you're not present in the moment, critically reflecting, uh, and that in becoming our best selves, we have more to offer, and when we have more to offer, we have more of an impact on others. So that was the third seed. And done. Uh, so my the fourth seed was uh, the fact that meaning making is state dependent. Uh, being aware of the, the state that we receive our students in and how we send them off to whatever there is next in their day. Um, being in the moment when we're teaching and being in the moment in our life and practicing being in the moment as much as we can uh, that was my fourth seat inspired by inspired by Mike Cazale absolutely our in, man in where Kentucky man. he uh, Mike is no, that's, in, that's, no uh, Mike is in uh, Pennsylvania Pennsylvania um, good man Michael Sorry, Mike. if you're listening to this we, uh, we're going to have you back on the show to talk about your new book uh, that has I There's think there's is yeah he's got a new book coming out uh doing amazing work so we'll share your links Mike um, I just want to say on that Mike I've got a signed copy of uh, the kinesthetic learner the yeah. kinesthetic classroom, classroom yeah. and uh, <laughs> I often put it in the, the staff room in my school and it's it's always gone excellent for a few days and then it's back and I, I reclaim yeah. it so it's, yeah. it's a well thumbed edition <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm yeah. sure that That's Mike, Mike will appreciate hearing that yeah, yeah. For sure yeah. so Neil is going to close off the show um, one more thing before we yes, finish please. if I can um, I just at the start of the, the podcast, I was meaning to say um, just about the the effect that that Andy Vasily has had on on phys ed in international schools. So we often say it's a small world in international schools, and and it, but it's a, it's a very well connected uh, small yeah. world, and uh, just the effect that Andy's had in raising the standard of of physical education in international schools I think has been phenomenal um, speak to anybody who really has a high standard for their physical education in international schools and they know who Andy Vassily is so I appreciate that um, I just want to say thank you for that and recognize your contribution to the yeah. field 
and I uh, hope you you know the effect that you have. Thank you. And uh, I really appreciate it from my perspective, and I know a lot of other people do out there. It's it's my life's work, and I appreciate hearing that. So thank you. So to close up the um, episode, we always end with um, some meta. Meta is loving kindness, and in the past we've sort of offered it up for ourselves or for um, a difficult person in our lives or um, a loved one or a greater cause. So to end the show, I'll allow you to think of someone that you care about deeply or someone um, that has impacted your life. Maybe you're not in contact with, but for a season in your life, they really help support you and give you guidance. And as you just take a moment to think of that person, uh, take a breath. And as you think of that person, you repeat, may they be free from internal and external harm. May they have a calm, clear mind and a peaceful, loving heart. May they be physically vital, strong, and healthy. And may they experience love, joy, wisdom, and wonder in this world just as it is. What an amazing chat with Andy Dutton, my other Andy, Andy Vasily, my taxi driver, Andrew Vasily. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Grateful. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassett. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.